Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Bruni's Breakdown, the 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni, and joining me this time is John Fields. John, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing pretty good, pretty excited. I mean, we got, you know, real college football here right around the corner, so it's an exciting time to be around North Texas football and covering the program. We got, we got, when you say real football, are you discrediting Illinois and Nebraska playing football last week? <laughs> is that what you're doing? I mean... I'm not trying to discredit them by any means, but this is sort of, you know, you consider that stuff week zero. This is week one, you know, the start for everybody. So there you go. There you go. Um, But yeah, we got a lot to talk about here with North Texas, Northwestern State coming up this weekend. Uh, The first uh, depth chart was released uh, today, which which John put out on his Twitter, John Field at John Field Zero. Uh, He was there for the press conferences today with the players and coaches. so we got a lot to talk about. We're also going to wrap this up with our season predictions at the end. So stay tuned for that. But John, let's start off with the press conferences because this was the first formal press conferences with Coach Luttrell and then who else do you have? DeAndre Torrey and Katie Davis. And who was the other one? Uh, Deshaun Gaddy. And Deshaun Gaddy. So um, what were some of your takeaways from the press conferences? If you want to start with players or coaches, you can go however you want. Well, I mean, the first thing, which I mean, you'd hope to see, but everybody was real excited. Everybody feels like they're much improved over last year, especially the defense was talked up as it has been throughout fall camp and whatnot. Um, So there's a lot of excitement on the defensive side of the ball. I thought it was of note that DeAndre Torrey really mentioned the defense as well. And um, he thought that was the thing he's been most impressed with, actually, throughout fall camp and the spring was how much the defense has improved. So I thought it was really telling to hear that from an offensive guy who's going against those guys on a regular basis. Um, And then obviously we got to get a little bit into the quarterback situation here, um, which is, you know, still up in the air, obviously. Um, Austin Ani and Jace Ruder listed as co-starters on the roster. So, you know, it seems like Latrell, his quote, if I can get get the actual quote here is, we have a really good idea of who's going to walk out there first, but there's a reason why we put, or it's still a competition and both guys are going to play. I feel good about where those guys are at. We understand and have a good idea what we're going to do on Saturday. So it seems like they probably have an idea within of who the starter is going to be going forward, but there's still that competition element to it. So I'm not sure how much to really read into that, but yeah, such a weird situation as, as, as was last year with, um, they want they kind of want to name a starter, but then they they want the competition to continue. So here we are once again. And we'll we'll get into that after we wrap up a couple of the other press conferences stuff. But um did anything stand out from uh Deshaun Gaddy and Katie Davis on the defense side of the ball? Anything you hadn't already heard or known? Um I mean, the thing I guess that stuck out for me uh, as far as depth chart and presser goes is just really the versatility they have with some of the positions they're going to. Um, Obviously, they've got Tyreek Davis listed at the Eagle, Gabriel Murphy at Devil, which are sort of unique positions compared to what you typically see. Um, So there's just a lot of different ways they can go about formations and whatnot on defense. And those guys seemed pretty excited just about the different ways they could attack opposing offenses and just how they're able to adapt under, you know, new defensive coordinator, Phil Bennett. So to me, that was the main thing was just the versatility they've got back there now. Yeah. And then I read, uh, I mean, obviously I read your story um, on the offense and DeAndre Torrey seemed like he was 
kind of open about his situation and open about Oscar Attaway going down and all that stuff. What, what did he all say about that situation? He was, yeah, he was very open about how obviously, you know, losing Attaway, the second leading rusher from last year is a big loss. And, you know, Tory was upfront about that, but he also said what that means for him personally is just shifting more into the running backs room, continuing to be a leader for those younger guys behind him. So those guys can step up some more. Um, and I think it also means, you know, we're going to see some more traditional wideouts in the slot, as you can see on the depth chart with Lorenzo Thompson and Roderick Burns listed as an or there too. So, you know, DeAndre Torrey was very upfront that it changes things for them and it's definitely a significant loss, but they feel like they can cobble something together from within that's at least going to be serviceable at that position. Yeah. The, I watched the Seth Latrell interview and it felt like a very Seth Latrell press conference in the fact that <laughs> you heard all of the, the cliches you heard uh, explosive. I almost tweeted out. I, I almost tweeted out. Uh, it was refreshing to hear uh, Seth Luttrell be Seth Luttrell again with uh, the amount of times he said explosive, the amount of times he said the bullets are going to be flying, the, just all the, the cliches that Seth Luttrell always says. So um, I didn't, I didn't off, off my memory, I wasn't taking notes of it or anything, but off my memory, I didn't hear anything that was particularly attention grabbing. You can correct me if I'm wrong there, but I didn't feel like it was anything out of the blue there. It was, you know, a lot of praise to Northwestern State, a lot of um, excitement there, but, you know, it wasn't anything that we didn't already know. Am I right on that? No, I, I 100% agree on that. It was a lot of what you were saying, the cliches, the take it one game at a time, you know, not look too far ahead kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think it was pretty much everything we would expect to hear out of him at this point. And, uh, you know, the little... I guess you could call it cryptic sort of quote about the quarterbacks, but outside of that, there wasn't really too much that seemed to be, um, you know, noteworthy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's get to, I think that's, is that all you had for the press conferences? Any, anything else there before we, before we move on to the depth chart? No. Yeah. I think we pretty much touched on the main stuff there. Right, we'll get into a lot of that with the depth chart yeah, too. For sure. All right. So you tweeted out the depth chart um, early on, as soon as you got it and, it is a little surprising. There's a lot of little surprises on here. I'm not going to say there's anything, you know, jarring, I don't think, off of first, second look at it. But um, there are some interesting tidbits here. Um, where do you want to start with with an interesting uh, tidbit or what, what caught your eye first? Um, well, I guess I'll start on the defense with Larry Nixon, the third being a backup linebacker this year and not being one of the starters. I thought that was very interesting with him listed as the backup at the will linebacker behind Kevin Wood. I mean, Nixon was one of the leading tacklers on the team last year, 53 tackles, six and a half TFLs, you know, a guy you'd really expect to factor in pretty strongly, but they've got him behind Kevin Wood who had some, you know, good counting numbers last year in his own right. So It'll just be interesting to see how that linebackers room really shakes out. But I was definitely surprised to see Larry Nixon in a backup role there. Yeah. Kevin, Kevin Wood's been someone who we've been high on since he got here. I mean, since his freshman year, when he started playing consistently, like he was playing a lot as a true freshman and he's been continuously improving, continue to play as a backup uh, on that second string defense. But for him to overtake Larry Nixon is a pretty big surprise um, if nothing else, just because when Ky when I had Kyla Powell on this podcast and he went through the defense, he was like Larry Nixon and KD at linebacker, and then went off of that. <laughs> like he went off those two, and then everything else. Well, I don't know what changed since Kyla Powell has come on the, this podcast, but 
Kevin Wood is listed as the starter. And obviously Larry Nixon's going to play like this isn't to say that Larry Nixon is going to get like 10 snaps in the game. Like obviously he's going to get plenty. If anything, I mean, they might even split snaps, snaps him and Kevin Wood because they're both really solid linebackers, but for it not to be an or and it to be Kevin Wood there, like it feels like it feels weird. That's what I'll say. That's what I'll say. Cause I apparently, I mean, in the spring, it was Larry Nixon coming into fall. It was Larry Nixon. Now it's Kevin Wood. And so I don't know exactly what to make of that, um, but I know they'll both play and I know they'll both be good players. So um, I feel really good about this linebacking group. I feel good about Jordan Brown buying Katie Davis as well. Um, so I feel good about those two. If we keep looking down, uh, Sean Thomas Faulkner behind Tyreek Davis. I think that's an interesting spot. Uh, we know Sean Thomas Faulkner played a little bit of safety at the Citadel. And so we know he has defensive back tendencies there. So I'm excited to see what he can do behind Tyreek Davis. Hopefully Tyreek Davis does really well there at the Eagle spot, which I think he can. Uh, I'm trying to think what another one that stood out to me was, I mean, there's on this defense, the whole second unit is basically really interesting to me. Um, oh yeah. I mean, we look at defense line in uh, Caleb Colvin gets the starting defense tackle spot next to Deion Noville, which is something we thought could happen but we weren't sure with Enoch uh, Jackson being right there. So that was, that was a good one. Um, with no Devontae McCray on this defensive line. Yeah, that was, that was a big surprise too, to say the That's least. I mean, you, don't, <laughs> you don't expect to not see him on the two deep at all. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I went on there and I, I made sure he was still on the roster. He is Devontae McCray is still on the roster. Um, and I'm sure he'll get to play because, you know, more than, you know, there a good amount of defense alignment play in every game. You know, it's not like it's just the starters, but yeah. you know, Cameron Hill's a guy who came over here from Abilene Christian, a veteran guy. We expected him to be solid. He is solid, but to for Gabriel Murphy, and this is what makes that devil position so weird to me, because behind Gabriel Murphy, you have Carson Crop, right, and then you have mm-hmm. Sifa Leota, who I'm assuming is a walk on. I think both of those players are walk ons, right? Carson Crop is he. Yeah, Carson Kropp was from Oklahoma State. Yeah, Oklahoma but I State he was a walk on. He is a walk on. So you have two walk ons behind Gabriel Murphy here at this devil position, quote unquote. And so I'm I'm looking at this like, is this a position where defensive ends cannot play? Like, is this a like where a true like only defensive end? You know what I mean? Like Devontae McCray yeah. style, like just straight defensive end. Is this a position where he can't play? Like, that's what I'm curious about now. Like, I need to see it in action. Like, I know they're going to be moving, maybe rovering around a bit, but to not have Devontae McCray on this too deep is kind of crazy to me. Like, I can understand Cameron Hill beating him out, but you're not going to tell me Carson Krupp and Sifa Leota are better than Devontae McCray. So um, I'm assuming that that position is just different, right? uh, Would that be – I mean, I know we haven't seen him yet, but is that kind of what you're feeling as well? Well, no, I agree. That was the thing that stuck out to me is, I mean, I immediately went to go look at the roster and I mean, Carson Kropp and Sifa Leota, they're both listed as linebackers. So you've got a couple linebackers there behind Gabriel Murphy, which would make me inclined to believe they're going to go to more of three down lineman type stuff and have that linebacker there who can rush off the edge some, but you'd anticipate those smaller guys are going to be more back in coverage. So to me, it's sort of indicative they're going to go to more of a three down lineman sets and they're expecting Gabriel Murphy to really be able to play in space a bit. Yeah, play in space. Uh, maybe depending on the down and distance, maybe if it's third and long, he'll get his hand on the ground and be an edge rusher like he's been. Uh, if it's a different situation, maybe he'll drop back a couple yards and play as like a outside linebacker type. You know, that, that that's the type of multiple defense I think we could see from Phil Bennett 
And that's what I'm interested to see is we just don't know how exactly this is going to play. Like we don't, Tyreek Davis is a nickel, you know, but Gabriel Murphy, I don't know exactly how, how to play that. I don't know how he's going to play. So um, that's what I'm interested in. Also backup safety, uh, backup safety is something interesting to me. Greg Francis coming over as a transfer, Harold West mm. and Sinke Williams, both true freshmen backing up to Sean Gaddy. Um, is Alex Morris still on this roster? Let me see, Alex. That's a good question. I know he's not. Well, break. Hmm. Oh, no, Morris, Dorian Morris, McKenzie Morris. I don't see an Alex Morris on this roster. And that might have happened a few, man, that might have even happened weeks ago. I don't know. I haven't been, you know, checking the roster frequently. But um, yeah, so you have two true freshmen, basically a backup safety there. And that's something that's going to be interesting to me. But I have a lot of trust in Deshaun Gaddy and Mikhail Sanders, that's for sure, going into this year. So, um, and Dylan Williams, that corner, I mean, where's Tyree Thornton, you know, where's players like that, you know, there, a there's question. a lot of, there's a lot of names that coming into this year, we're like, okay, there's only so many spots you can fill. And now we're getting to the point where it's like, okay, well, some of these guys just didn't, just didn't make it. Um, let me, let me go through a couple others here while, while I'm looking at the defense here. Yeah. Well, I've got one thing. Go I got one thing to add on Tyreek Davis as well. I was looking back at last season's roster and uh, he was listed at 220 as far as weight goes. He's down to 192 this year. So he's definitely downsized to sort of fit more of that DB kind of role. Yeah, that's that's very that's a, that's a lot of weight to lose. Yeah, that is a lot. So, <laughs> it'll um, be interesting to see how that translates to the field. But yeah, yeah you can go yeah. back ahead. Um, I'm just going to quickly name off some players that went on the two deep. And again, the two deep is, does not mean that they're not going to play like that. That does not mean that I think on the defensive line, especially you're going to see more than just the players listed on the roster. But if we go off the two deep and we talk about players who aren't listed, Keelan Crosby, you know, mm. Alec, Alex Morris, who I think is not on the team and we're just based off of looking at the names, Jordan Rucker, Rich Tejada, who I'd heard good things about Logan Wilson, Tyree Thornton, um, Jacoby Johnson, Devontae McCray, Jonathan Pickett. Um, Tayshaun, is Tayshaun Johnson listed? Uh, I don't see him, no. No, he's not. Um, and I've heard really good things about Roderick Brown, the true freshman. But, I mean, Tayshaun yeah. Johnson was a guy I expected to come in and compete for a starting job. Don't see his name. Um, Kenneth Dotson, I don't believe, is there. Is Cortland Rawsaw there? I don't think Cortland Ross was there either. And this is a weird, and, and this is what I'm saying is that it feels like there's only one defensive end position because like all those names mm. that I listed feel like they're good enough to play, but they're not listed. So again, I expect all of them to play, if not a lot, but here we are with the two deep out. And I think this is just what Phil Bennett's defense is. It's unique and it's going to require some getting used to from us as uh analyst and from the fans so well is, and go ahead. yeah i think that's sort of indicative it reminds me of something latrell said at the presser today which was basically how good they feel about a lot of these guys from the 21 class like i mean you've got two freshmen at backup safety when you've got so many guys in that defensive backs room apparently they've made an impression very quickly i mean you know uh, you talk about uh, dylan williams the sophomore so many guys that have come in and made an impression quickly you know more than some of the established guys could have even so that's pretty telling in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, if you just look at the defensive line, like if you look at the backups here, Cameron Hill is a transfer. So they brought him in this year. He's in the class. Rod Brown, freshman, Enoch Jackson, transfer. Like all three of those were not on the team last year. So this class has already brought a lot. I mean, Sean Thomas Faulkner, Greg Francis, Harold West, Sinke Williams, Dylan Williams, 
Like these are all players that went on the team last year. It's just a completely different crop of players and a different type of depth. So uh, let's get to the offense. Let's look at a little bit there. Uh, what stood out to you on the offensive side of the ball? Um, what caught your eye? Well, I mean, we won't forget the quarterback's position again this time. We'll touch on that as well. But I think it was sort of to be expected. We'd see the co-starter thing with Ani and Reuter coming into week one. Obviously, people would like to see the one starter, but you don't expect, I, at least I didn't expect to see that necessarily. I'd expect to probably see that heading into week two against SMU. You'd like to rally behind one guy for a much tougher opponent like that. No disrespect to Northwestern State, but they know they're not SMU either. Mm-hmm. So. You'd expect to see one quarterback as the starter week two. So you'd expect Latrell to see what they've got out there against Northwestern State and make his best prediction, which, I mean, judging from the quote, maybe he already knows who that guy is. I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, uh, they the, that quote was pretty indicative. I think I think they have somebody just off that quote. I think they have to like that. I don't think you say that and not know because, I mean, he says that. And let's say Austin Ani goes out there first. Everybody in the stadium's like, all right, that's who they had planned. That's who has essentially won the job. I know it's not for certain, but he said, we have an idea of who's going to go out there first. We basically know who's, who's going to go out there first. So at this point, it doesn't feel as much of a competition. It feels like we're just waiting to see yeah. who's going to come out there. Like that's what all it feels like now. Um, but yeah, I, I think one thing that makes it weird for me and these are different situations probably, but SMU had a quarterback competition with Preston Stone, freshman, and Tanner Mordecai, transfer from Oklahoma. And a few days ago, they announced Tanner Mordecai to be the starter. And they won the competition and all that stuff. And that's why I'm just looking at this like, I don't know if North Texas gets away with, with, with rotating quarterbacks. I know they're not going to get away with it with SMU. I'm really hopeful that one of them steps forward and takes the job, whether that's on whether that's Ruder, I don't care anymore. I don't care if I'm right. I don't care if I'm wrong. I don't care who it is. Someone just needs to be a starting caliber quarterback for North Texas and be better than the quarterback play they had last year. That's all I care about. I don't care who it is, but I'm hopeful that South Latrell has someone in mind and he can roll with them because you're not going to tell me that for the second straight year, the quarterbacks are exactly on the same level. Somebody had to inch ahead at some point here. So no, I agree. And I think that's the thing. I mean, if, if you want to read into what Latrell said, he did say he feels like the quarterback's room is way ahead of where it was last year. He said Ani is night and day compared to what he was last year. So who knows how that actually pans out, but there's certainly optimism the quarterback play should be better. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna roll with 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 Ani going out there first. I don't know why. I'm just I just feel like <laughs> I just feel like they're just gonna roll him out there first. So we'll see. I'm ready to overreact to whatever happens against Northwestern State. Um, another position that was really interesting to me was that left guard spot with Casey Moreca and Gabe Blair, both mm. of whom I don't think were here for, well, they weren't here for spring. I don't think Casey was, he, he was a summer addition, if I'm not mistaken. And Gabe yeah. Blair is obviously an incoming freshman. Gabe Blair, which I think we mentioned on this last podcast, but Gabe Blair has everybody in that building talking about how good he is. Like oh, yeah. every, everybody's just been like, Gabe Blair is a dude. Gabe Blair is a player. He has lit up like everything. He has put everybody on notice. So for him to be on the two deep is not surprising. Casey Mareka though, while I've heard good things about him, I didn't expect him to be in conversation to start. 
So I, and I don't know how much, you know, guard guard is such a weird, hard position to like tangibly tell like, Oh, this guy, you know, is this. And while that guy's not like, I feel like it's kind of tough, but I wasn't expecting Casey Mareka. Like I, I would have believed you if you told me Gabe Blair was going to start, I would have believed you before you told me Casey Mareka was going to start. I had Jed Duncan probably starting more before any of them. So it's, well, it's, it's interesting. And, and I tell you what might factor into that somewhat is one name I saw that was missing here was no Chris Cassidy on this at all. Cause he, I mean, he played in all 10 games last year, had two yep. starts, I believe at right guard. And yep. I don't see him anywhere on this too deep. So that was interesting to me, maybe with the shifting around, um, you know, the left guard spot became more important in that way, but that, that was definitely an interesting um, leave out for me. I'm sure he maybe sees some time, but. Yeah, Chris Cassidy, I could even see Tishon Turpin if they wanted to slide him at that left guard spot. They have options on this offensive line now. I like Jed Duncan at backup guard a lot. Um, Dane Jackson, I like at center. Um, they have options here, but, you know, if they roll Gabe, Gabe Blair out there, I trust Gabe Blair just on everything I've heard. On everything I've heard, Gabe Blair is ready to play right now to get in there, mix it up. So I trust them to make the right decision on the offensive line. Um Receiver, I didn't see anything crazy here. Jair Shorter, um, Lorenzo Thompson slash Rod Burns, and Deontay Simpson as the starters. Tommy Bush, I didn't expect him to be listed as a starter, but he'll still get plenty of playing time. Bryson Jackson to Travion Brown, really happy to see those two guys there. Those are guys who I expected to uh, come in and help this team. Um, And Hatib Lyles at a receiver position back to, I think, where he might be better at than tight end. He flirted with tight end, obviously, and slash H-back, but... He's there, and then tight end, uh, you get Jake Roberts and Asher Alberting, and then H-back, you get Jason Pertle and Varkis Gums. So I don't know how many surprises there are for you. Are there any surprises there? Uh, I would say not particularly. I think it's a little interesting seeing Pertle at the H-back, but they've got to find a way to utilize all those tight ends in that room somehow, so it only makes sense that somebody was going to have to move around. Um, the receivers, I think all of that was pretty – pretty much self-explanatory. I think if you asked me in the spring, I would have at least said shorter and Simpson, we're going to start at the two outside spots more than likely. And, uh, now that from what we've seen out of fall camp, I expected Roderick Burns or Lorenzo Thompson to be the guy in the slot, especially with Adelaide going down and Tory having to go back more to running back. So yeah, I agree. No, no huge surprises there. Yeah. The only thing that maybe surprised some people is no Caleb Johnson, who was the highest rated recruit in North Texas history. So uh, as a true freshman, some people came in and expected him just to straight replace Jalen Darden. Um, (laughs) But I think anybody who saw camp and anybody who saw over the summer, Rod Burns, I think Rod Burns and Lorenzo Thompson are obvious, obvious replacements. Like I have Lorenzo Thompson as straight up being really um, replacing Jalen Darden this year, pretty much. And so him and Rod Burns, I really trust at this receiver position. Are they going to be Jalen Darden? No. Do they have to be Jalen Darden? No. So um, I like that a lot from, from them. Um, any other positions? I I mean, I kind of want to see Varkis Gums play a little bit more than Jason Pirtle. And that's no disrespect to Jason Pirtle. I'm sure he's good again, but I mean, let's. I, I want to see Varkis comes a lot, so we'll see that. Um, running back room: Isaiah Johnson and Ikeka Ragsdale at the backup running backs. No, no surprises there at all. I uh, knew those two were going to get plenty of. They're going to get plenty of snaps, so we'll see how that goes. Um, and then we, I mean, special teams: Ethan Mooney, Bernardo Rodriguez, kick returner DeAndre Torrey, 
punt return DeAndre Torrey. No surprises here on that side here. Yeah, so. I've got one thing as far as the backup kicker and punter. I was a little surprised to see Aaron Beckham win both of those jobs because they brought in the kicker and the punter from Allen High School, uh, I believe as walk-ons maybe or yeah. preferred walk-ons, something like that. But neither of those guys cracked the two deep here. Instead, it's Beckham at both of those spots, who's also a freshman. Um, and pretty highly touted one at that, at least from what I've seen. So that was just a little interesting thing to see on special team side. But yeah, now let's get to the Northwestern State game because that's what this two deep is for. This two deep is for the Northwestern State game. This is uh, not a season depth chart. This was likely to change by the SMU game. Northwestern State um, is going to be a game where I predicted. My prediction on your tweet, let me remember it. Actually, I'm just going to go find it. <laughs> My prediction on your tweet was, here we go, 52 to 20, North Texas. And I, I think I, I really believe that. I don't know if this defense is going to come out and pitch a shutout, which I'd be really happy if they would. Um, what's your prediction for the game? So, yeah, I like somewhere in that sort of 50 to 20 range, you know, you could go 56, 14, you could go um, even 49 to like 21 or something like that. I really what I want to see is just the defense, hopefully not allow more than a couple scores. So I think somewhere in the 17 point range is probably a number you'd be pretty happy with out of them, especially after you saw what was it a couple years back against ACU? I think it was like 51, 31. If they allow 31 points here, I think that's a bit concerning to say the least. But I um, mean, if you look at last year, Houston Baptist scored 31 on them. And then two years ago, I think it was something similar. Avalon Christian put up 31 as well. So we're looking at back-to-back years where, uh, (laughs) you know, you give up 31 points to an FCS school, it kind of signals the red flags. Like, okay, something is wrong here. We need to fix this. Um, so I, I agree with that. They, it should, they should not be allowing over 21 points flat out hundred percent. So um, that, that, that's my whole thing is you got to hold them to under 21, anything over 21. I'm, I'm starting to raise a red flag early on because I've learned that. No, it's not just an FCS game. It starts to show what the flaws of this team are. So I need to see, I need to see less than 21 offensively. I don't know if there's any number I need them to hit. Like, I don't think there's a chance that they score less than 40. So I'm not really concerned if it's 42 or 59. Like I don't, that doesn't really matter to me. Yeah, I agree. I think as long as they get over 40 points, you get to 42, 49, something like that. And the quarterbacks look good and don't throw a bunch of picks. I think you're pretty happy with that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, let me see what else we got here. All right. You want to get to season predictions and we'll get to some questions for sure, man. Yeah. All right. Um, I guess I'll go first. So I won't, I won't put you on the spot here. <laughs> I will, I will go first. Um, I've been holding on holding reservation for these predictions for a while. Um, I think this is, this team is going to be much better than last year's team. I think this year's team is going to be much better than 2019's team. Um, but the schedule is the schedule here. The schedule is is has to be accounted for here. Um, and with that being said, uh, man, I started feeling really, really good about things during fall camp. I really did. 
Um, but I'm going to roll with five and seven. I'm going to go with five and seven. I know that's not going to be a popular pick. A lot of people will pick six and six, which I could see. I could see six and six. I'm covered this. I'm closer to six and six than I am four and eight, I think, but I'm at five and seven. <laughs> so I'm not going to bail myself out here. I'm at five and seven. All right. So I have them beating Northwestern beating La Tech on the road. I don't feel good at all about the rest of those games early on. So that's two. And then I have them beating Southern Miss, UTEP, FIU. That gets them to five. Five games lose lose to UTSA. I mean, you go into those three wins at the end at two and six. Yeah, two and six. They win three straight, and then they lose to UTSA. It's going to be a weird year, but that's my five and seven. I could see, I again, I can see six and six. I'm just going to roll with five and seven because I think there's a few too many questions here for this team. I think that's pretty fair. I'm, I've been going back and forth between five and seven, six and six as well. I'm sure I picked most of the same ones you did, but I think I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid a little bit here and I'm going to go a little more optimistic. I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go six and six, which I think for me, put them five and three in conference play. So I'm taking them over Northwestern State. I think they lose at SMU, probably lose versus UAB. Um, take them to beat La Tech, lose to Missouri, beat Marshall, lose to Liberty. And then I've got them. Let's see. So that's got me at three wins already. Yeah. And then see, this is the, the four game stretch of Rice, Southern Miss, UTEP, FIU. Seems like it's attainable. I think Rice is going to be pretty good, though, this year. And Southern Miss will be all right. But the fact they have to win four straight games is not easy. Like you have to play well in four straight games. Yeah. That's my concern. No, and I agree. So I think giving them the Marshall win gives them some more wiggle room and to go three and one in that stretch. And I think that's more doable than four and zero in that stretch. So I'll take six wins. They can take three of those games. I'll say the rice ones, the loss. Cause I agree. That's one of the more dangerous looking teams, but it could be FIU as well. I think they will be improved for sure and then yeah i won't pick them to beat utsa in the season finale even though there's a possibility with that rivalry it's a little crazy but yeah i mean even hey utep beat new mexico state 30 to 3 that's true so i mean hey utep looks like they can play some football now so who knows it's gonna be a really interesting year i think all those conference usa games are really fascinating to me because i think north texas has a chance in every single one Except maybe UTSA. UTSA is tough. UTSA and UAB are like the tough ones, right? But all the other ones, I could see like La Tech, Marshall, Rice, Southern Miss, UTEP, FIU are all teams that are, you know, solid. But they're not like these teams that are unbeatable and they're not teams that are going to roll over. So we're at a weird position where North Texas is going to have to play well in those games. And you're going to have to play well consistently. So I'm interested to see how they how it goes. Um, another thing about that four game stretch with from rice to FIU is three out of those four on the road. So mm-hmm. before anybody goes and be like, Oh, those are four straight wins. That's not going to be easy. That is not going to be not. easy at all. So we'll see how that goes. I like your six and six prediction. I'm going to roll with five and seven. Uh, and we'll see, we'll see who's right on the other side. All right. Well, and one, one, one last thing I wanted to add, I guess, too, is the reason I'm picking against Marshall is just everything I've seen so far has been pretty pessimistic about Marshall's season. Yep. It looks like it's shaping up to be a down year for them. I mean, so if there's a bigger name opponent they're going to beat, I think Marshall's the easiest one to pick. I agree. I agree. Um, all right. Let's get to some questions here. Uh, questions we haven't answered yet, uh, but we'll, we'll just roll through them. Uh, NTSN asked, which Murphy twin makes the most impact? 
And I think it's an interesting question because now they're playing kind of different positions. So now you have Gabriel at devil and you have Grayson at defensive end, at true defensive end. And so I think the whole thought process for the past couple of years has been Gabriel's the better player. But now with this role, it's like, I don't know exactly what to expect from Gabriel. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's going to be tough. I, I, I like actually rolling with what you're saying. I think I might pick Grayson Murphy just because he's in a more traditional role there with the linebackers behind Gabriel. I wonder if he plays more off the ball and for that reason, maybe he gets less sacks, less, less in the backfield perhaps. So I, I think I'll pick Grayson out of those two, but like you said, it's tough to predict at this point. Cause we don't really know what that devil role is going to look like too much. Yeah. I just like the name of it. All right, let's get to uh, Evan Frantum asked, what would be your absolute best case, everything goes right, and then some prediction for for UNT, like record prediction for them this season? Um, The hard thing, so, I mean, we've talked about this schedule already. I don't think there is a way. I don't think it's possible for them to beat Liberty, and I don't think it's possible for them to beat Missouri. And I don't think it's possible for them to beat UAB, to be honest. Outside of that, I think, okay, can we say eight and four is the best case scenario then? If we just say, uh, yeah. if we just say that Liberty, Missouri, UAB, and UTSA are losses? I think we could say that. And I think that's a great best case scenario because that gives them a win over SMU. You finally Oh get a my win God, in I forgot about SMU. Hold on. I forgot about SMU. You know, if you want to really drink the Kool-Aid there. (laughs) I don't know if I could drink that much Kool-Aid, John. I don't know if I could drink that much (laughs) Kool-Aid here. I just completely overlooked SMU here. Uh, I, I, Okay, how about this? How about this? How about we do this? SMU, Missouri, Liberty, UTSA has four losses. They win the other eight games. And then they have a chance potentially for a conference championship, depending on that UTSA game, you know. Uh, eight and four going, what is that? Seven and one in conference potentially if, uh, as, as it stands, if, if it goes best case scenario, I mean, seven and one in conference, you potentially play for a conference championship game. Uh, you make a good bowl game. You play a good bowl team. I think that's the best case scenario. I think that's a really good case scenario. No, I would, I would tend to agree. I think the four games I'd look at I mean, for sure, you're not probably not beating Liberty or Missouri, barring some crazy injury scenarios and that kind of thing. I agree with you on UAB um, being a tough one. Uh, so to me, yeah, I picked the four probably not going to wins as Liberty, Missouri, UAB, SMU. But I could even see a win over UAB and a little nine and three with the three losses to Liberty uh, and Missouri and SMU. So, I mean, I could see that. I could see a win over SMU maybe, but they haven't won in Dallas since like what the early 1900s or something. I mean, it's unheard of. So I wouldn't pick that game for sure. Yeah. I don't, I don't, don't quite see that yet. Not to spoil our preview for next week, but I don't quite see that for this one. Um, I like that a lot. That's a good question, Evan. Thank you, Evan. Thank you. And TSN for y'all's questions. Um, I wonder the world. So I asked this question yesterday and uh, some people sent in deep depth chart questions and the depth chart obviously came out today. Uh, so I wonder the world asked who starts next to Noville. And now we know the answer is, hold on, let me get the depth chart up. So I don't get this wrong. Uh, Caleb Colvin, uh, which backup linebacker makes the biggest impact. So now mm-hmm. we have to pick between Jordan Brown and Larry Nixon. And I like both of those guys a lot. So I, I think the obvious answer is Larry Nixon, but I really like Jordan Brown. Uh, so I'll let you pick that one. Yeah. Well, and I mean, 
it, since we don't know so much about the devil spot, you could almost go Carson Crop or Cifaleota since they're linebackers yeah. as well. But if we want to pick between those two, I think I'll take the safe pick. I'll take Larry Nixon there. Yeah. Just, you know, the returning production, knowing what he did last year, I think I'll go with him. But I agree. Jordan Brown's an exciting guy who could have a big year as well. Yep. Appreciate your questions. One to the world. Uh, do, 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 do. Tony, Tony DeSosa asked, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, uh, do you feel this team has a different win ceiling with Ani versus Ruder? So do you think the ceiling is different for one of those quarterbacks? And if you would ask me this two or three months ago, I would have said, if you would ask me this a month ago, I would have said Ruder. And I probably still believe Ruder is the more talented quarterback just as far as straight talent goes. I mean, he's a former four-star guy. He was the number one player in Kansas coming out of high school. Very talented player. I just don't know. I just don't, I just don't know if you, and it's probably because I haven't seen him, but I don't know if I can say definitively that he is raises this team's ceiling that much higher than, but I am going to say, I do think his potential is higher than Ani's. So yes, to answer the question, yes, I do think his ceiling is higher than Austin Ani's and this team's ceiling is higher than with him than Austin Ani. Yeah, I, w- I would tend to agree on that. I think you got to go with Reuter being the four-star guy. He's got probably the more talent, but I, I mean, as well, what I've seen out of fall camp, I've seen those guys as being fairly even through fall camp, which I'm assuming is what the coaching staff had seen up to recently. Now that Latrell seems to have some kind of decision in mind, but um, yeah, I think Reuter is the pretty, pretty easy pick there as far as a guy that's got a higher ceiling, but I I mean, I'd like to go back to what you said pretty well to start the podcast, which is just that I think they're going to be okay with either of those guys. I don't know that one of them makes a one win difference just with how bad, I mean, how tough the schedule is. I don't know that either one makes that one win difference, but yeah, like if they're going to, if, if let's say just hypothetically, if, if they're going to, if they're going to struggle against Liberty, Right. If they're going to struggle by like 20 to Liberty, like start, it doesn't matter who you're starting at quarterback. Both of them are good players, but it doesn't matter if you start Ruder in there instead of Ani. That's not going to turn into a win, you know, in theory. Uh, but yeah. I agree with that. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, appreciate your question, Tony. Uh, some people really want to see Casey Martin on the field. Bill Kenny asked if Casey Martin can't get a shot at quarterback, where else do you want to see him on the field? A kid that works as hard as he is deserves to be on the field. And that guy ate favorites. So people really want to see Casey Martin on the field. I just don't know where you play him. I have no idea. H back. H back is the only one I think, right? Yeah. I mean, that's really the only place I could see unless, yeah. I mean, the only game you can see him probably getting in at quarterback is the Northwestern state one, but I don't know if you want to take those reps away from Ruder and Ani and getting as much a look at those guys as you can. So to me, yeah, it's just tough to find that guy a spot on the field really aside from maybe the H back role, but yeah, <laughs> but I'm not taking away snaps from Varkey's gum. No, no, not. not not for Case and Martin at that spot. And that's no dig at Case and Martin, but yeah, you got to get Varkey's gums out there for the blocking potential, just being a big guy, let him develop. I agree with you 100% on that. Exactly. So, um, yeah, we love Case and Martin here. Um, shout out to Case and Martin, but uh, shout out, shout out to Barbara Martin as well. So, but uh, yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't particularly see it. Hopefully, you can get on the field in this Northwestern State game, and we can all be happy. Um, all right. Thank you for your question. Let's see what question, what else we got here. 
Are we in for another Taylor asked, are we in for another or season at the quarterback position or will this get sorted out early? When do you think this gets sorted out, John? So, I mean, I asked Latrell at the press conference, basically if this week one game was going to be sort of a test it out, see what guy looks better and go with him from there. And he gave me the little sort of the PR answer, which was like, take it one game at a time, not looking forward to SMU too much at this point. But to me, I feel like after seeing how last year played out, you got to feel like it didn't help things going back and forth between the two QBs like that. And with this being, you know, probably a hot seat type year for Latrell, if he has another, you know, struggle type of season, I feel like you got to, after the Northwestern State game, decide on one guy. And unless he performs pretty poorly later on, maybe you go away from him, but I think you pick one guy and roll with him as far as you can. Yeah. I'm hoping, I'm hoping week two is the answer to this question. I really hope it's week two. Um, But I I think it's going to be week three. I think, I feel like week three is probably the way I feel like SMU is still not going to give us a lot of uh, clarity here because I think SMU similar to last year, SMU is, um, going to give them problems, both quarterback problems. So then you're looking back at it like, all right, we've seen this is what happened last year. They went into the first game, both quarterbacks looked great. We're like, okay, cool. Then they go to the SMU game and both quarterbacks look awful. So then you go into game <laughs> three and you're like, all right, now what do we do? And I'm hoping game three is where they're like, all right, you know what? Whoever it is, Ani Reuter has been slightly better to this point. They look, they are more, they are more comfortable in the offense, they're more comfortable with what we want to do. And we're going to roll them out there against UAB the, you know, do or die, hell or high water. If we go down 21 points, we're not taking them out. We're going to go, come back with him. We're going to do this with him, and we'll see what happens. Um, no, I think so. I and if you, don't, if you don't have it decided by that point, there's some real concerns because UAB is one of those games we've picked as one that at minimum is sort of winnable. So you really you want to give yourself the best shot to have a chance in that game. You really got to have one guy at that point, I think. Exactly. Uh, Taylor also asked, what does Pirtle moving to H back mean for offensive schemes? And I, I mean, he was basically, he wasn't an H back last year because H back, my definition of H back is more of a blocking tight end than the tight end position. Uh, last year, Jake Roberts was an H back and he was basically just a blocker, but now I think he's gotten a lot better with his hands, a lot better route running. And he's a tight end now. Uh, I think this is just to get Jason Pirtle on the field. I assume, um, but Varkis gums is a really good blocker from everything we've heard. And so I think this will be kind of a Varkis Gums type position, but this, it doesn't mean anything really to me. No, I, I agree with that. I think you, yeah, just gets Pirtle on the field, gets him out there as a big body who can, you know, help create in the run game a little better. You can potentially have some pass routes out of the backfield with him, get some stuff going in the flats and that kind of thing. But yeah, I agree. Not too much changes really. Yep. Uh, let's see if I got anything else. I think I got everything. Let's see. So it's the hard part. Make sure I don't miss anything. <laughs> nope. Got that. Got that. I think we're good. There might've been a couple on my quote tweet of that. No, so I, did. I, I looked here. at those. Those were Taylor's questions as well. So got those. All right. That's all we have for y'all today. Um, we will be back after the Northwestern state game, probably on that Sunday. Uh, that's probably what we're looking at. Uh, hopefully we can get there on, get that done on Sunday and get that out to y'all as soon as possible. Um, but yeah, thank you all for your questions. Thank you all for tuning in. Leave us a like, uh, leave us a f- subscribe to us on Apple, follow us on SoundCloud, uh, follow John on Twitter at John field zero. Follow me on Twitter at Matthew Bruni underscore. 
Follow us on Mean Green 20 at Mean Green 24 7 uh, and Mean Green 24 7.com. Become a subscriber. Uh, like I said on the tweet, we have uh, a few new contributors coming y'all's way. So be on the lookout for that, including John, who uh, we appreciate coming on. And yeah, John, thanks for joining me again. And I'll, I'll talk to you after the Northwestern State game. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me.